On today's show of Lockdown Sparrins, yeah, we're going to talk about the collapse. Oh, God, at Iowa. The first segment we recorded minutes after the game. You get the full emotions, the the full feedback. I got I, You just get a dead person. And then segments two and three we recorded 24 hours after. And guess what? I'm still dead inside, but we try to add a little more clarity to what happened and what it means for the rest of the season. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked On Spartans listeners. Hey, thanks. So, you know what? Uh, Iowa fans, too. I'm sure there's Michigan fans in here. I, there's a lot, probably a lot of fans in here because that was a historic collapse. So let's just all get in on the fun here. Thanks a lot for tuning in to Locked On Spartans, your team in green and white every single day. Great. Okay. We're going to do this. Uh, okay, we're recording a few minutes after uh, the game. Michigan State has a historic collapse down in Iowa. Before going any further, I I want to deeply apologize to everyone right now. Whether you are on Twitter, if you're not, if you missed it, if you believe in jinxes, if you believe in just powers like that, I I have nothing to say other than I'm sorry. Yes, I did put out a video on Twitter celebrating the win when Michigan State was up 13 points with 90 seconds to go. We do this a lot on this uh, on this show is is jinx things. I, I thought that being up 13 points with 90 seconds left. It was good enough. It was not. And I I feel sick to my stomach, and I apologize. If you believe in stuff like that. Because I do. Now, if you don't believe in stuff like that, if you just want to talk basketball, what actually happened, well, I got great news for you. That's what we're going to talk about um, for the rest of this little segment here. I, <laughs> what do you... I, I don't even know what to say. I, like, yeah, there's a whole debate of who do you blame? The, the players or the coach? You score 101 points in regulation in college basketball, that should be enough to win you a game. Uh, Look, you got to credit Iowa for their hot shooting at the end of the game as much as you have to discredit Michigan State and how they fell apart at the end of that game. Right now, sure, let's talk about the adult in the room, Tom Izzo. Great guy. Look, he's been fantastic for this university. Um, You know, not just the last two, three decades he's been here. But the last two weeks, you know, I, I want to make that very clear. It's been incredible for this university. Uh, now we're going to separate the human from the coach right now because, holy, I'm not. Oh, I'm going to try not to swear this podcast, but holy crap! What are we saving the timeouts for, Tom? Uh, as you are up 13 points with 90 seconds to go, you don't call a timeout until there's 19 seconds left in the game, and now you're leading by just five. We, we didn't see anything unraveling before that point. We just wanted to tuck these timeouts deep in our pockets, see if we could use them for the Nebraska game or carry them over into the Big Ten tournament. No idea what that was about. But, yes, if you are going to cry about coaching, which I am, and I'm doing it because, once again, we've seen this happen throughout this season, last season. I mean, this was a mirror of what happened in the first round against Maryland in the Big Ten tournament last season. Just the team is drowning. They're drowning, and timeouts, why use them? No, they're going to figure it out eventually, right? No, of course they're not, and they didn't today. Um, Now, as far as uh, the last few seconds go, yeah, Michigan State was up three. Iowa had the ball, and a lot of people are saying, uh, hey, it should have intentionally fouled, put Iowa on the line for two shots. And normally I would agree if there was less time on the clock. I mean, Iowa started that possession with 10 seconds. They got the shot off with three seconds. 
we're kind of a little close there, but yeah, obviously, in hindsight, probably should have fouled, but I see why they didn't in the moment. Um, just no execution down the, the stretch. Overtime, you didn't have to watch overtime. You knew what was going to happen in overtime. Uh, Iowa just got the ball rolling with all the momentum in the world. Michigan State just did a, a whole lot of, of nothing. And now what we're looking at here is you can kiss the double bye in the Big Ten tournament goodbye. If you've listened to yesterday's show, you'll know that the Minnesota game being rescheduled has close to no impact on if MSU gets a double bye here. There's a lot of myths that like, oh, it's win percentage. And this game against Minnesota would actually help Michigan State a lot get that double bye. That's completely false. Um, the big game was this one. If they won out their last three games, which this was the toughest one, and it looked like things were okay, up 13 points and 90 seconds left. If they won the last three games of the regular season, they would have got the double bye. But since they lost, it's close to impossible to get a double bye now. This also would have punched Michigan State's ticket officially into March Madness. Yes, that they could still lose their next three games if you count the Nebraska game, the Ohio State game, the first game of the Big Ten tournament. They could still make it probably as a first fourth game. But, uh, yeah, if you win one of these next two games, you're probably going to be in, but that would have been a nice stamp. And to finally get a really good road Big Ten win, because so far, the road Big Ten wins are Penn State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Okay, we're looking at three teams that might not even make the tournament, so there's no impressive road Big Ten wins that this team has had. And it looked like they were going to get it for the longest time. And, uh, hey, maybe... We start surging up in March Madness as well. This is how we start making a push to a sixth seed, if you will. But now that you lost this game, you're running out of opportunities to have good wins on your schedule. This was the last quad one win that you could have gotten. Maybe you'll get an opportunity in the Big Ten tournament. But, hey, when you're up 13 with 90 seconds left, it really does seem like a good opportunity. Now, I know that a lot of us are going to be looking at the last 90 seconds of regulation and overtime. Complete and utter choke job. And... That is what also hurts, is that not just the seeding for the Big Ten Tournament, not just the seeding for March Madness, but also let's go between the ears now because we've seen this team collapse late in games time and time again. Uh, go all the way back to the Portland game, or heck, even further than that, the Villanova game. But they eked out wins in those as well. We've seen them, though, collapse in games and also lose. The last seven minutes against Illinois, the Michigan game last week, and now this one. And now you have this monkey on your back. Going into March Madness. This is supposed to be the time where you are a shark late in games. And you smell blood in the water and you pounce, you close out games. Now this team has this juju around them. That, uh-oh, hey, just because we're up doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to win this game. And yeah, this might seem like silly, you know, just, hey, sitting on a bar stool talking sports with the guys over a few beers nonsense. But no, you do see teams get very contagious in losing like this. What better time to have the most devastating loss in that fashion than, oh, with just a week left to go in the regular season. So, yeah. Up 13 with 90 seconds left. Heck, I said it in the stupid video that I put out on Twitter that, oh, it smells like March. This team is cooking. We're feeling really good about this team. For as good as you felt about them, when they were up 13 points with 90 seconds left, you feel as bad, if not even worse, about this team now. They can't win big games on the road. They cannot close out games. And who's to blame? Well, when it's this bad, it's a little bit of everyone. Look, A.J. Hogarth had a fine game, but he makes that free throw at the end of the game. We're having a very fun podcast right now. We're all celebrating. We're cracking beers. We're talking about, hey, let's go take that sixth seed. Hey, let's get ready for a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. But 
Clickety-clank, clickety-clank, the free throw did not fall, and, uh, yeah, it, it was just unbelievable. And, okay, so not to just keep on rehashing the first, uh, or the last 90 seconds of the game, let's talk about the first half as well, because there were some errors done there as well. Look, the game was in overtime. It just took one possession for this to be a different game. And, okay, how about the stretch of seven possessions in the first half where six of them turned into turnovers, Okay. Iowa went into the break with 12 points off of turnovers. I mean, what what can you say? That, like, yeah, it was just old-fashioned Michigan State road game basketball, it felt like. Bad turnovers, letting the other team get way too many offensive rebounds, not seeing anything from your big men. Like, it was just a rerun of what we've seen so far this year. But, hey, for the longest time, you saw Tyson Walker bail you out. Another game where Tyson Walker has 30 points, and the team can't do anything about it. He did the same thing against Purdue. Oh, sorry, couldn't close that game either. He did the same thing today in Iowa City. Fantastic game. Completely wasted performance, and that is just sickening. Jaden Akins, game of the season. 21 points for him. Uh-oh, couldn't do anything there because, well, we just can't close it out. Joey Hauser played incredible. Malik Hall off the bench, 16 points. He played outstanding. Doesn't matter. Does not matter <laughs> because you can't close out games. You don't want to use timeouts. You you see your whole team in a boat sinking, and you don't want to even throw them a single buoy until you can see just the tops of their head in the water. Great call. Great call. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. That was, uh, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, that's stupid. I just talked for nine straight minutes. Clearly, I do know what to say, but that, that was the worst game in a very, very long time. And we've seen some losses this season. We've seen some losses last season. We've seen some losses two seasons ago. No loss is worse than that one. I have not felt like this since watching Ben Patton go out for a 25-yard field goal or whatever it was to send Michigan State to a bowl game and <laughs> miss that one too. Uh, I have not felt like that since that. Uh, it's That was crazy. I just hope this team can rebound and get right for Nebraska, who's a solid team. And that's all you have to be. For a road opponent for Michigan State, you just have to be somewhat solid, and you will probably win that game. Proof is in the pudding. We've seen enough of it. And then Ohio State at home, hey, maybe they want to end their season. I don't win. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't matter. Great performances. All for nothing. All for nothing. Oh, hold on. Yeah, sorry. Hold on. We gotta, I gotta uh, talk about FanDuel Sports. I believe here in a hot second. This is a great transition into an ad read. I'm just, I'm just so lifeless right now. I just. God, I can't believe what we just saw. Oh, man. God, I'm an idiot. I was so stupid having that video. Anyway, no, I got to talk your ear off about LinkedIn jobs. That's right. You want to go put some work in. Unlike Michigan State in the last 90 seconds of regulation, I suggest you go to LinkedIn. And as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. If you heard my kid crying in the background right there, he just caught wind of the game as well. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to uh, your open roles with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates 
What are you waiting for? Hop onto LinkedIn Jobs. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College. That's LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College. Terms and conditions <laughs> apply. Ah, a cry. That's not, I'm actually going to go cry right now. Oh, my God. You, you got to be... We are recording now, 24 hours after the complete meltdown <laughs> that happened in Iowa City. Um, I thought, hey, you know what? Let's do this uh, 24 hours later. Yes, we, we did have an instant reaction show earlier. You can go commiserate on that if you want. Uh, but yeah, hey, you know what? Let's talk more about this game after 24 hours. Maybe emotions have subsided. Maybe um, if you're a healthy, mature adult, uh, this game played by children isn't bothering you anymore. Um, and I am delighted to inform you all that I am I am just as dead right now as I was yesterday. There, <laughs> this is not even washed off a single iota. Um, I woke up just feeling just sick. Um, God, I swear I've, I've I've taken deaths in the family better than I've taken this game before. <laughs> this is just this is beating me up, man. This is ruining my weekend. Um, anyway, we're gonna talk about it. Uh, let, let's get nuts. Uh, we got a lot of listener questions, a lot of listener comments as well that we're just gonna pour over here for the next fifteen or so minutes. But let's hear from the man himself, Tom Izzo. Uh, yes, we talked about him right after the game, really questioning. My biggest questions were, why aren't we using the timeouts as the team is on this ship that is sinking? Why are we waiting until it's a five-point game with 19 seconds left to call that first timeout? A lot of people were upset that, hey, why didn't you have the team foul when they were up three, put Iowa on the line for two shots? But uh, Izzo said that he didn't even consider fouling up three points late in regulation, so that MSU missed a switch on the play. Okay, whatever. And then also said, quote, that was piss poor coaching. Honestly, don't need to elaborate on that. We, we've seen it all. But by now, it's pretty clear that, yeah, this team should have fouled. Uh, that is 2020 hindsight after what we saw during the game. Yeah, that, that was the, the right call there. Don't need to go much further into that. And also, too, maybe the only thing that's really resonated with me in the last 24 hours is... A lot of this is just maybe Iowa, right? Okay, they made four three-pointers in under 30 seconds. A lot of them were moderately contested, too. I mean, I, I you'd really really have to go out of your way to say that all four of them were wide-open shots. I think that'd just be incorrect. Like, Michigan State wasn't awful down the stretch. Like, yeah, they gave up one offensive rebound, but I, look, you just got to tip your hat to Iowa. They absolutely just lit it up at the end of the game. But still, I mean, of course, there's stuff that Michigan State could have done at the end of that game. And it doesn't help either. It does not help either that this is maybe a trend for this team. And, you know, let's just get right into a listener question right here. Um, you know, this is uh, a lot of people said that this was the worst loss. So we're, we're just going to hit that point right now is that a lot of people, oh, my God, this is the worst loss under Tom Izzo. This is the worst loss I've ever seen at Michigan State. Um. Anyone saying that, did you miss 2016 <laughs> when Middle Tennessee State beat Michigan State, who was a two-seed in the tournament and a legit contender to win a national title? If you missed that game, I envy you. I'm very jealous of you. Uh, or even like the Texas Southern game at home that happened within the last decade. That was a pretty bad loss. But look, worst loss is subjective to a lot of people. 
because it is certainly the most improbable loss, probably, that Michigan State has suffered. Uh, a two-seed has lost to a 15-seed 10 times in March Madness. Now, this tweet from David Warlock will really have you appreciate what we just saw on Saturday as far as improbability go. Iowa's down 11 points with 55 seconds left. Okay? That's only happened three other times in the history of college basketball where a team has come back to win that game. So, yes, Michigan State just the fourth team ever to suffer collapse like that. Uh, whereas, hey, you know the 15 versus 2 game? That's happened 10 times. And aren't we just lucky to be on the wrong end of both of those so we could really appreciate both sides? What one hurt more? For me, it's the one that happened in March Madness. Like, this didn't put a, a stake through Michigan State's season. They probably still will make the tournament. You got to win one more to feel really confident about it, but I digress. So I just wanted to hammer that home. I think that was a little reactionary, and that's okay. I might get reactionary too, but worst loss of all time. Unless you are five years old and you did not live during Middle Tennessee State versus Michigan State. No, that that's going to be the worst loss, uh, in my opinion. But hey, let's move on here. Zach writes in a question. How do you think mentally this will affect the team? Like I said, so much good happened in this game, but could that just mentally kill this team? Are we glad this happened now? When we have a chance to get it off our backs rather than it happen in the Big Ten tournament, I'm worried about the mentals and how this team responds. Could fold, but do we have enough mental strength to rise above? Okay, let's take the optimistic side right now uh, because there's a lot of bad that came from that game. But let's just try to find a silver lining here. And yeah, that silver lining is, hey, you know what? They got a really bad loss out of their way, a statistically improbable loss off their back, and, you know, A.J. Hogard spoke with MLive after the game, Kyle Austin of MLive, he wrote a, a great article, really detailing blow-by-blow blow what happened at the end of that game, and maybe this is a silver lining, too, is that Hogard said he thought his team didn't finish with the same energy that helped it get ahead by double digits, quote, we've got to finish games and do what's necessary to win, and also go all out, give maximum effort at the end of the game, so if there's any shred of silver lining, it's that, hey, this team learned, that even if they're up 35 points here to end the season in any game, you cannot take your foot off the gas. Sure, you could argue that that's a lesson that maybe they should have known beforehand, but you really get to learn that when it unfolds. Okay, that's that, that ends positivity power hour right there, because let's talk about what this does to the team mentally. Now, we talked about this yesterday. Let's further elaborate on it, because this was a conversation that I had amongst friends. It's what bothered you more about that game? Is it what it does to their seeding or what it does to them mentally? And for me, it's what it does to them mentally because this has been a pattern all season, right? I mean, we've seen little collapses, nothing of this magnitude, at least. Like, we've seen them collapse at the end against Michigan okay, last weekend in Ann Arbor. We've seen them melt down against Illinois when they were up a good chunk with seven minutes to go. Um, Rutgers was up eight. I'm sorry, they were up eight at Rutgers early in the second half, so it wasn't as late in the game as those other games. The Gonzaga game, a big lead in the second half that they saw melt away. And then you have the near-complete disasters. Uh, they nearly had this big meltdown in the second half against Villanova. Like, this has been going on early in the season. Against Villanova, they were up, what was it, 20 points? And, uh-oh, it got a little hairy at the end. Or the Portland game. That was almost really just a, a mirror of what we saw on Saturday. Portland down 10, a minute to go. They had a layup to win the game at the end. Oregon, they had a late collapse, but were able to win. Maryland, 
That was a close one, too. That was a little different, though, because that was a big first-half lead. But still, this has been a pattern where Michigan State gets late in the games, and either they lose the game, or they get really close to losing a massive lead. But finally, it did happen where they have a massive lead, and they saw it melt away. The point I'm trying to make here is that this does get contagious. And I've talked about this throughout the whole season, really. After the Gonzaga game, worried that, okay, this might get a little contagious because we've seen this happen to some teams. No, this isn't just, you know, your, your sports talk radio caller that's just blabbing on like an idiot talking about things that don't exist in sports in reality. But no, in reality, losing like this does get contagious. The most extreme example of this is two seasons ago, Nebraska football, right? I, they were leading in almost every single game. They didn't even qualify for a bowl game. Like every single time when it got late in the game, back of your head you're thinking, uh-oh, we've been in this territory before and it doesn't end well. And also too, well, let's talk about how many games Michigan State has won like this as well. It's not a lot. I actually don't see any game where they were down late in the game and had to stage a comeback since the Champions Classic. Now, maybe I'm missing a game, and yes, Michigan State has had comebacks where they dig themselves a hole in the first half, just like Tuesday's game against Indiana. You know, it's not rare for this team to have a slow start and then claw their way back, but yeah, you just don't see those kind of games where the other team sees a late lead melt away. That's only Michigan State is on the end of that, and look, on the other side of this, we could talk about whether Michigan State has a go-to guy problem at the end of games, but first, just need to talk your ear off about Built Bar. That's right, gang. We're talking about the best protein bar in the land. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and all the calories, you've got to try Built Bar. These things are better tasting than a candy bar. They have dynamite flavors you are going to love, like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I guarantee that you will find at least one, if not a handful of flavors that you will absolutely love because they got something for everyone over there. And this is for everyone as well. The fact that each of these Built Bars have about 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, but yet a whopping 17 grams of protein. You're not going to feel weighed down. You're not going to feel like you're in a slog after you eat this protein bar, like your old-fashioned protein bars. Mm -mm, no. You're going to get great taste, and you're going to get your body feeling right so you can power through your workout, your round of golf, your uh, day of errands, maybe just, just the day of hanging out the house, getting chores done. Built's going to take care of you. And also, they take care of you by being extra convenient. Hey, Built.com, great website, easy to use, but let's say you're at Walmart or Sam's Club and you got a hankering for a great protein bar. Mosey on over to the pharmacy section, get a four-bar box of Built Bars. So yes, that's Sam's Club, that's Walmart, and that's Built.com to get your Built Bars. Another topic of conversation going around after that game is, does MSU have a closer problem? They don't have a go-to guy necessarily, it seems like. And that's a shame that we have to talk about this, because there were some incredible performances yesterday. And... I don't think we can discount that, is that Jaden Aikens looked strong. Joey Hauser has looked strong from three-point land. Tyson Walker, what can you say about him uh, other than he just played incredible yesterday? A.J. Hogard, hey, look, he had some strong instinct at the end there. Made 12 free throws in a row. Missed the last one, obviously. But yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to beat up the kid for missing that free throw too much because, I mean, you go 12 to 13 from the line, okay, that's, that's just objectively good it was just terrible timing for that one miss to occur but 
MSU, uh, time and time again, you know, we just rattle off a bunch of mini collapses that they've had throughout the season, and now they have this big one. And you're wondering who is the go-to guy on this team. Yes, Tyson Walker had a really great game, 31 points. Didn't really go to him a lot at the end of the game. And I know that, you know, the 90 seconds at the end, it was just free throw time. So, I mean, I'm not talking about they should have gone to him down the stretch there. They clearly went to a guy that was okay in A.J. Hogard. But, yeah, it's just, you really just get the sense that this team doesn't have that go-to guy at the end of games. It was A.J. Hogard for a little bit this season, um, just getting the bucket when they absolutely needed it, kind of like he did the home game against Michigan. You saw him have a great performance way early in the season against Penn State. But, yeah, now they don't have... You know, it doesn't look like they have this go-to guy. So to round out Zach's question of how does this affect the team mentally, will this be good, will it be bad, I think it will be bad, but we're going to get the true answer on Tuesday night as they hit the road to Nebraska. Now, Nebraska is, uh, on paper, not a great team. Look, they're not going to make the tournament, they're not close to the bubble, but they are 11-3 and at home. And this is something that we talked about uh, on the show right after uh, the game ended, is that Michigan State's only road conference wins are against Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State. We're looking at three teams that might not even make the tournament. So, yeah, it, it seems like they can only beat mediocre teams on the road in Big Ten play. Nebraska's another mediocre team, but they do have a strong home court advantage, 11-3 and at home, just like we said. So we're going to get the answer there. Oh, God, it's going to be... I'm not looking forward to Tuesday night whatsoever. Um, there's one other point I want to get to here. And it is the small ball lineup. This was also another uh, topic that fans were really uh, upset about or defending it. At the end of the game, Michigan State went down to that small ball lineup. They lost. And then, you know, you had some fans saying, Oh, well, hey, <laughs> that's what you get, all you small ball lineup wanting fans. How did that one turn out for you? And I am one of those fans that enjoy the small ball lineup. Uh, and of course, we're talking AJ Hogard, Tyson Walker, Jaden Akins, Malik Hall, Joey Hauser. Okay. I, I don't think that yesterday was a small ball problem at all and maybe you already know this uh, maybe I'm just preaching to the choir but that was not a, a small ball issue like what what does Mari Sissoko give you at the end of the game there is he really a perimeter defender that was going to disrupt any shots yes Iowa did grab one offensive rebound at the final stretch of which of course they converted into a three-pointer but okay is, is Mari the answer to that question because they grabbed 13 offensive rebounds prior to the small ball lineup even being in the game. Like, that was a problem, not just all game long, guys, but all season long, rebounding has been an issue. Matty Sissoko had five defensive rebounds yesterday. Okay, Tony Perkins, the six foot four guard for Iowa, he had that many offensive rebounds for Iowa. So, no, I don't know what you're getting here if you add in a Jackson Kohler, a Carson Cooper, or a Matty Sissoko that could have changed the end of that game. And by the way, it was free throw time. Okay, I, I, you want Monty Sissoko being one of the five guys that might get the ball in his hand to shoot a free throw? You want Jackson Kohler to be that guy? You want Carson Cooper to be that guy? Look, I, I know we're all searching for answers. We're all very upset at that game yesterday. I don't think being upset at the lineup is the way to go about this, though, because that was the best five players that you needed. Yeah, they, they had switching issues at the end of that game. You think 
Mati Sissoko would have been more laterally quick to get off of that switch and, and disrupt a three-pointer. Like, let's let's be adults about this, okay? No, that, that, that wasn't the issue here. So, yeah, the small ball lineup still lives on, in my opinion. I will dig my feet very deep into the sand here. That That's still probably your best lineup that you got because, again... In yesterday's game as well, I, I mean, look, I know that you got to play the center eventually, but it, it was just not a good day at all for the center position. Um, here we go. I'm going to read the box score here. Two points, two points, one point. That is five combined points from the three centers. Five points in a game where 106 points were scored. Do you know how hard that is to do, to have that little points from a position shared by three guys? So, yes, the small ball lineup is the way to go, more times than not. I'm not saying do it the entire game, but just like when it's winning time, yeah, that might be your best lineup here. And I know that's a terrible time to argue that, as FNCU just lost a game yesterday, but we are how many games in the season? If you haven't seen by now, that small ball just might be the best five guys that you got. Don't know what to tell you. Don't know what to tell you. God, I'm, just, I'm so upset at that game. I... I, I God, I don't even know what to say anymore. Uh, you know what, though? Um, Brian, he wrote in an email, and uh, he, he's going to take us home here with some shred of positivity. Um, look, and you could buy or sell what Brian's given us. But Brian writes in, got good news for you guys. We will never see a worse collapse ever again. Got it out of the way, and I truly believe this team makes the Sweet 16. God, Brian, God bless you, man. I love that attitude. I genuinely love that attitude. That is some great... Great moxie that Brian has over there. He says he's praying for a seven seed, though. Would hate the eight or the nine seed. Did a little bit more, um, you know, pick and prodding around online after the game. Some more bracketologies came out. You could play around with it at barttorvik.com. And this team, I mean, th this game didn't damage MSU's net ranking all that much, actually. They actually, I believe, rose up uh, a spot or two in the net ranking. And for a good amount of bracketologies, they did stay on the seven line. For this game, and if they can win the next two games, which they will be favored in the first Big Ten tournament game, they will be on that seven seed line, most likely. Obviously, you know it's it's a human committee making these decisions, but the computers say that you will be a seven seed if you win your next three games and even lose that second round Big Ten tournament game. But the problem is with these next two games here is that you don't gain anything by winning these games at Nebraska and against Ohio State. These are two quad two games. However, you do lose something if you do, well, get defeated in these games. So there's there's nothing to gain but something to lose in these next two games, which makes Saturday even worse because that was a seed game. You could have jumped up maybe to a six seed if you win that game and your next three after that. But, ah, here we go. This didn't work out because... We can't have nice things in life. So there you have it. Yeah, how about that to get you into the rest of the week here? Imagine being a happy person. Imagine, like, just not caring about sports. Like, having a an actually, like, productive hobby. Like, gardening. Or, uh, dare I say, fitness. Or, uh, I don't know. Stocks. Maybe those are your things. Maybe you're making yourself some money. I don't know. But, no, we're going to choose the life of being sports fans and being like this. Just sad. Just sad. But hey, you know what? Love you all. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to be chatting with uh, the folks over at Corn Nation about, uh, you know, just what on earth is going on with their Corn Huskers over at Nebraska Ball World. So we're going to be getting the preview in as we go into the final regular season week. Oh, God. I, I, I hope you guys are doing okay.
Hope you're doing a lot better than I am because I'm not doing okay. All right. Love you all. Go green.